Blue Jays are in the Bronx, starting a three-game set, the first of two three-game sets with the New with the New York Yankees to close out the season. The second will be at home. Uh, pretty key. So where are the Yankees at? If it's going to be one of the primary opponents for the Toronto Blue Jays who need to win ball games down the stretch, what sort of Yankees team are they going to see? What are you expecting, Ellis? You know what they're not going to see? Manoa telling Judge to come back the past the Audi sign. Wasn't it Garrett Cole? Yeah, Garrett Cole. Damn it. Garrett Cole's getting the last None laugh, less. eh? Won't be any of that discourse. No, there won't be any of that discourse. Although, uh, if you're Garrett Cole, you might be able to have some fun with it. Uh, I don't think Garrett Cole <laughs> has fun with anything, though. Uh, He's pretty serious. We can discuss that more with the next guest, <laughs> Evan Roberts, co-host of Evan and Tiki on WFAN, Mondays to Fridays, 2 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, good morning, Evan. Thanks for jumping on with us. No problem. When you refer to Garrett Cole, though, make sure you refer to him as the Cy Young Award winner of mm. 2023 because he has it on lock. Yeah, he does. And that's what <laughs> we're kind of bracing for, right? Like, I think it's possible that the Blue Jays see him twice. And if we're, like, going through the schedule to close the season, Yankees raise, Yankees raise is somewhat daunting, at least on paper. But those Yankee games become a little more tricky if it's Garrett Cole twice, who I guess has the Cy Young sewed up but wouldn't, uh, wouldn't like to throw away a start down the stretch, would he? No, 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 no. He's he's never won one. So you know he can taste it. Mm. And the Yankees, I give him credit, even though most of us in New York have uh, like given up caring because they've been out of it now for a month. They have actually played reasonably well, so they are not exactly the ideal team you want to play when you need wins down the stretch of the year. They've been feisty over the last few weeks. Yeah, feisty, I think, is the proper word. I mean, we, we saw a Boston team come through town over the weekend, and it's just like they seem completely unprepared to put up a fight against a team that needs to win games down the stretch. So what is it about this Yankee team that's making them, you know, it's always the Yankees, right? And this is, this when you look at the, uh, the lineup this year, at least uh, if you're in Toronto, you're like, well, it doesn't look like the Yankees. But this team is playing reasonably well right now and may have some things to play for down the stretch. So what sort of challenge are the Blue Jays getting with six of the last 12 games remaining on their schedule? Well, the Yankees starting pitching hasn't been half bad. They've given, you know, Michael King a chance to be in the rotation. He's been decent. Clark Schmidt has pitched a lot better. Carlos Redon has mostly been bad, but his last start, he's shown improvement. So the starting pitching has been decent. And offensively, they're giving a lot of their young guys a shot. I think what was so disappointing Jason Dominguez got mm-hmm. called up. He's he's one of their top prospects. We've heard about him for years because ever since they signed him, uh, uh, you know, as a kid, as like a 17-year-old, all we heard about was the Martian. He's going to be great. He's a switch-hitting Mike Trout. He finally comes up. He gets off to a great start, and then he gets hurt, which I think was a major, major buzzkill for Yankee fans. But even with him not playing, they're giving a lot of their younger guys a shot, and they've been they've been decent. They've been feisty. And obviously, you got to account for Aaron Judge, who – you know, changes games with how good he is offensively. Yeah, you had us a little bit of an injury bug there, uh, which was an exciting storyline to follow and then fell apart a little bit. But I, when you're looking at, like, how New York got to this point, is the aging roster one of the, the main storylines that you've been covering about? Was the roster construction right? Did they maybe push some guys a little bit past their limit? And then we'll definitely get into Cashman and Boone. But if you're looking no. at the player, players on the field, uh, uh, some subpar seasons from some of the superstars. Yeah, they couldn't hit. I think, like, to define why the Yankees underachieved this year, they couldn't hit. They couldn't even hit last year. They were carried by Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge had, as we all know, this historical season, and he was able to kind of cover the warts of the rest of the offense. Well, guess what happens this year? Aaron Judge gets hurt, and the Yankees really started to struggle while he was out. But offensively, they have not been the Yankees that we have expected. They haven't been the Yankees in the last few years. So 
when we try to diagnose what the heck happened with this team, even though they're going to probably finish above 500, which is like automatic for them, it's they didn't score enough runs. And a part of it is what you said. They had an aging offense. Anthony Rizzo had a great April. All of a sudden, he gets hurt, plays through his probable concussion. He isn't the same guy. And outside of Gleyber Torres, no one had a good year. So they just didn't hit enough, which is obviously not something we're accustomed to with the Yankees. Uh, Yankee apathy seems like a bit of an oxymoron, but you sort of alluded to how uh, some people are tuning out of the season. I guess there's definitely an excuse to, uh, but it just feels strange to even uh, consider that notion. So if we've reached this point and clearly something needs to change, is it going to be a splashy offseason? Like it may result in a change at management or manager, but there are a couple angels out there who have been, you know, rumored to maybe change teams. Like, do you expect the Yankees to do something pretty substantial this winter to change the trajectories that are sort of set out right now in the American League East? Well, the GM is coming back. Brian Cashman is going to be the GM as much as Yankee fans don't want to get rid of him. Aaron Boone is going to be the manager as much as Yankee fans want to get rid of him. And I do think, like, they have to make a big move. Like, they have to because they raise season ticket prices for some of their season ticket holders, which takes a lot of guts when you're coming off a year like this. They're not making the managerial and GM changes that Yankee fans want. So I'm just using logic here. They're going to have to do something big. Now, what is the big? I doubt it's Otani because I don't think they're outbidding everybody, including their crosstown rivals, the Mets. Uh, I I have a tough time believing Mike Trout's actually available. So is it Yamamoto from Japan, one of the big young starting pitchers? Maybe. Is it, you know, going after like a Matt Chapman? I don't know. But they they have to do something because – they cannot sell their fan base on, yeah, we're just going to run it back and we'll be fine. We got a lot of young players. Don't worry. That's a tough sell. Matt Chapman, eh? Yeah, you're going to get a good look at him over yeah. the next three days. I mean, you could probably have him. You know, he's a great. I did that on purpose. Yeah, he's a good defensive <laughs> player, but, you know, offensively, you guys say you can't hit. had a great hit. April. He you had said a you can't hit. April. I don't know if Matt Chapman's your uh, offensive uh, fix, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. He's have well you loved. Seen, uh, Here's the problem. Have you seen the Yankees third base situation? I mean, Josh Donaldson played the yeah. position in April. Like mm-hmm. Matt Chapman is a freaking Mike Schmidt compared to what they put out there. <laughs> Donaldson uh, already hitting home runs for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, since his his uh, his. Oh, I guess he got promoted for the Miners in one game. Um, yes, it's a it's a weird storyline over in New York. But I wonder for you because New York radio, uh, you guys you guys are one of the best in the world. But you've had the highs and the lows and many many lows of Yankees, Mets, the Rogers injury, everything going on in that city um how do you uh how do you balance that how do you remain positive do you uh how does the fan base respond and i guess it makes for good talk radio every day uh yeah positivity doesn't really exist right now um <laughs> we were positive like think about it we had a bad baseball season the yankees have underachieved mets have greatly underachieved mm-hmm. and so we were all looking forward to this football season the giants coming off a playoff year the Jets acquiring Aaron Rodgers with Super Bowl aspirations. And think about how our football season started. On a Sunday night, the Giants lose 40 to nothing to the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> followed by Aaron Rodgers, four plays into his Jet career, tearing his Achilles. So it was, uh, it was quite a turn. And I think despite the fact the Giants are coming off a win, which was an incredible comeback against Arizona, despite the fact the Jets isn't over necessarily, after getting, you know, just blitzkrieged by the Cowboys. Uh, it's safe to say our football positivity is not quite as high as say it was nine days ago. Which of the two uh, football teams do New Yorkers have the most faith in right now? Like it seems like you know the New York Jets are 
they've got a, they got a Super Bowl skeleton at least. I mean, I don't know if you can have that without a quarterback, but that's the situation right now. If you plopped an elite level quarterback on that team, I mean, the sky may be the limit. The Giants, I mean, they're they're coming off a great season, of course. Danny Dimes looked like Patrick Mahomes in the second half versus the Cardinals. It is the Cardinals. So, I mean, if you had to like hitch your wagon to one with sort of some unknowns here and some possibilities, uh, which one which one has more potential for you right now? I, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a tough question because talent-wise, I agree with what you said about the Jets. Like, they have everything but the quarterback and, and really the offensive line. Their offensive line has been iffy. But overall, your point is right. Like, the Jets' defense feels Super Bowl caliber despite what happened against Dallas. But the reason I'd say the Jets is the coach. I trust the coach. Brian Dable was the coach of the year last year. I give him a lot of credit for what happened in Arizona. They made a lot of have adjustments that worked, and they came back. Like, I get Cardinals stink. They're down 28 to 7. They're down 20 to nothing at the half. Like, that game in this season felt over. So, the only reason I'd lean towards the Giants is because I trust their coaching staff a hell of a lot more than I trust the unproven Ron Sala. And for now, he's unproven. He hasn't won anything. Is that what happened in the second half versus the Cardinals? It was Brian Dable's like, oh, I'm now, I'm now calling the plays. I'm now, because it, it looked markedly different, right? And it seems like every time Dable touches something, it, it turns to gold. It, it, it feels like something changed in the second half. And I, 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 I saw that maybe Brian Dable got more involved. Is that, in fact, what happened? Hey, we, we're trying to figure that out. Like, did he take the play calling away from Mike Kafka? Did he just, like, act as a head coach and say, hey, dude, let's take some shots down the field? But it was completely different. Like, the first play of the second half, was a bomb to Jalen Hyatt, and it changed everything. So I, I think most Giant fans have come to the conclusion. We don't care what happened. All we know is something was really, really different. And if it's the head coach getting into the ear of the offensive coordinator and saying, hey, dude, we got to do something different, well, that's called a real head coach. That's what you want a head coach to do. You want him to be involved. So he's going to get credit either way, whether he took the play calling away or not. The Giant offense was completely different. Daniel Jones played the best half of football he's had in his entire career, and it was just such a necessary win. They they saved their season with what they did in the second half. Especially after getting that contract, you gotta you gotta prove that it was the the right decision, and that take a whole season at least. Uh, but nonetheless, a, a good start for it. So if your confidence level isn't with the Jets, I wonder for you if that could change a little bit with uh, a quarterback signing or a quarterback that can add to this team in the next little bit. Do you think that they do that anytime soon? Is there someone that you're circling or someone that the fan base is circling as a adequate replacement or fit to go behind Zach Wilson? We're, we're screwed. Let's just be honest. Like, they, I, I've, got, I've got my ideas. Sure, you can bring in Nick Foles. He's a, the, the best backup you could think of considering what he's done as a backup. But let's be real. Is Nick Foles really saving the Jets? Is Carson Wentz saving the Jets? You know, we've tried to come up with, well, can they trade for a veteran quarterback? And the two names that logically come to mind are Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford. But is that really going to happen? We're just living in a fantasy world. The truth is, Zach Wilson's got to figure it out. The truth is, this defense needs to play at an elite, elite level. The quarterback needs to make very few mistakes. They need to run the football down their opponent's throat. And if they do that, yeah, they can win games. It could even be a playoff team. But the idea that they're going to find like this magic quarterback that's not on this roster right now to save them, it's a fantasy. Okay, is the fantasy also that Aaron Rodgers uh, is eyeing possibly a playoff return? He had this innovative surgery called a speed bridge or something. I don't even know. You know, he's he's a guy that does his own thing, goes to, marches at the beat of his own drum, but uh, really not ruling out that this is even the end of his career, that he could find a way back. That might be a fantasy as well. 
Well, let, let me ask you this. What do you think is a bigger fantasy? Aaron Rodgers coming back in the middle of January because of this magical <laughs> procedure, right? That's fantasy number one. Yeah. Or fantasy number two, Zach Wilson helps the Jets even get to continue playing into mid-January. Like, to me, that's the bigger fantasy. Yeah. So I, I, I have no issue with Aaron Rodgers dreaming big. He should. The guy had a catastrophic injury. His goal should be to come back at Thanksgiving if that's what he wants to think. Good for him. Doesn't mean I think it's going to happen, but sure, go think that way. But his fantasy of returning in January is not crazier, especially after watching Sunday, of the Jet fantasy of still playing come mid-January. Was the idea always half-baked with Aaron Rodgers? Like, what, what was the feeling pre-injury? Loved it. I mean, they, they went for it. Because like you said earlier, they had the skeleton of a Super Bowl roster, so you get a real quarterback. And of all the veteran quarterbacks that were out there, like Derek Carr would have been nice. I wouldn't have cried about signing Derek Carr. But Aaron Rodgers was clearly, in my mind, the best available guy because of the return you could get on him. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback despite his age. And sure, there are concerns with it. But I thought the reward was so much higher. The mistake they made, and I said this at the time, was I thought they needed a real backup. Like, I, I thought they were done with Zach Wilson. I was done with Zach Wilson. So if they had brought in somebody else, whether it was Baker Mayfield, let's say, I would have felt a little bit better after this injury saying, all right, Baker, go figure it out now for the next 16 weeks. Now, I understand. I don't know if Baker would have signed because he has more of an opportunity to play clearly in Tampa Bay. But I know that myself and a lot of Jet fans love the Rodgers signing, but we were also ready to move on from Zach and wanted to bring in like a real backup, not him. Oh, we're chatting with Evan Roberts, co-host of Evan and Tiki on WFAN. Uh, so, you, you you know, the baseball season's over uh, pretty much. Uh, tune your chance to attention to football, excuse me. And week one, at least, does not go very well. Did that have you looking ahead to the next season? I mean, we're, we R.J. Barrett had RJ. a wonderful, wonderful summer uh, with us. And maybe I'm, I'm a little worried to bring it up because his influence at FIBA may be a little bit stronger than the NBA <laughs> influence. But what's, what are the prospects? for the Knicks this year, and what's the feeling? Uh, you know, we're still a month and, and change away, but what, what, what is the feeling with the Knicks uh, for this upcoming year? I think everybody's excited because they went further than anyone could have thought last year, but I think those expectations, it's weird, are we should be good, we should be fun, we'd love to get back to where we were, but I think Knicks fans already have the wandering eye. They're looking at, ooh, Giannis doesn't seem happy. Oh, mm. Joel Embiid doesn't seem happy. Because I think realistically, as great as Jalen Brunson was last year, as well as RJ played in the postseason, which I think was encouraging with how he played in some of his postseason games, so than FIBA, because I just don't think a lot of New Yorkers are paying attention to it. I think that the eye is on, hey, to get to the next level, we need that superstar. And so I, I know that when Giannis made those comments a week ago where he basically said, hey, if I've got a better chance to win somewhere else, I'm gone, I think that lit up the eyes of the Knicks fan. But overall, there's excitement for this season, but I think they know deep down they're just a player away from a championship-caliber roster. Trust me, that lit up the eyes of Raptors fans, too, with Giannis, because there's the Greek community, and every time he comes up here, it feels like a sales pitch. Everybody comes out, and, oh, Giannis, <laughs> we love you. So yeah. if he does end up moving out um, of, of one organization to another, I think there'll be a lot of happy uh, happy people to throw their name in the hat. Uh, do Knicks fans still bing bong? Is that going to die out? Is it just part of the franchise moving forward? Oh, I hope it does. I mean, the <laughs> bing bong thing... 
was so stupid. <laughs> you know, years ago, they had a thing called Knicks tape. Like, every time they won a game, it was Knicks tape, Knicks tape. And eventually it died out. I think the bing bong has died out. The problem is, what we have to worry about is, well, what's next? Mm. If Knicks tape is gone, a bing bong is gone, what's What's the next thing we're going to have to get ready for? Oh, there will always be something. Uh, you definitely got to cling always. on to something, get the, get the squad going. Uh, Evan, appreciate you jumping on this morning and running the gauntlet of all the New York storylines. Uh, enjoy this Yankees-Blue Jays series. Hopefully uh, one team prevails, and that's ours. <laughs> Best of luck. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks so much. Evan Roberts, co-host of Evan and Tiki on WFAN, Monday to Friday to, from 2 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern. I don't know if uh, hosting the radio show in New York City or New York in general would be. Uh, I think maybe you just laugh at, at the, the the misfortunes that your your couple teams have had. You know, Mets and Yankees was a brutal, 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 brutal season. Yeah. And then you get all this hope for a football year, and it's okay. Like we got something that's going to bring this state together, and it could not have started worse, as he mentioned. I think Week the, one was awful. The calendar year 2023 for Toronto sports, Toronto sports radio. Like, I don't, I don't think it's been like overly disastrous. I mean, the Leafs did get the series victory, but there's been some negativity. I mean, this Blue Jays season has been frustrating, mm-hmm. uh, frustrating end and a devastating end really in the second round of the Maple Leafs season. The Raptors were kind of a joke by the end of the year, yeah. losing their coach. Like a lot of stuff happened there, but it feels like it would be that year this toronto sports season 2023 times two times three just by sheer volume alone but also the devastation i mean the disappointment is pretty big uh and there's so many teams that are falling into the same trap it seems like with uh in new york even the rangers pretty disappointing right like we didn't get to the rangers with him but there are a lot of expectations and they kind of fell short uh, and they were probably one of the more successful teams uh, in New York. So it, it's just weird. I mentioned like the Yankee. He said that, yeah, people are tuning out the Yankees. It just doesn't feel like that should ever happen. And maybe it does. <laughs> and I'm not giving, giving uh, enough credit to Yankees uh, fans and how much is going on there that, yeah, why would they settle for something that's that's inferior? But it just doesn't feel right with the Yankees. It didn't feel right when you looked at the lineup. didn't feel right at any point this season. Like they're supposed to be big, bad, intimidating, scary and if you look at them and the way the season has played out, they're not. And maybe that's uh, famous last words with what we might see here over the last six games that they play the Blue Jays. Um, but it just has never felt Yankee-like. And that must be a weird thing to grapple with if you're doing sports radio in that market. You know what? something that has been quiet this offseason is Patrick Kane. He's a free agent. And he was a mm-hmm. ranger for them. Remember that little showtime to Broadway? Yeah, went, underwent some surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what that, what's going to say. I'm going to pick him up cheap. Like, is can you get him cheap? I think it would it's make. I think it would make more sense. He probably is like already has uh, its shelf somewhere. Mm. But you can kind of manipulate the cap a little bit more. Maybe you can get a little bit more money. Maybe it's prorated. Like, if you do wait, maybe there's a reason why it'll work out in your favor. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up, though. I mean, Buffalo, if it's Buffalo, they probably can't wait. I I don't know. Maybe he goes back to New York, but that didn't really work. Uh. He's turning 35 next season, but... Chicago's not going to take him back because they want to turn the page. Yeah, no, they definitely can't come back to him. I think it was hip resurfacing surgery. Oof, and... I mean, he said he said this this postseason. It feels he wants to keep playing. His passion's still there. He feels like he's still got something to give. Still a young enough guy. Yeah, that's good. 35, still young enough. Love that. We hope. We hope. Um, okay, let's uh, speak of Bing Bong. 
Oh, no, that was the A-list. We don't have that in this, but we no. did play it earlier. I, it was sad that he... Instead of Bing Bong, how about we fire the ca- cannons? Okay. Something to chew on. It's Brought to you for... by oh. Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Okay, there we go. Um, I know this story has... We didn't get your take, so this is perfect. Well, I thought we could chew on it. Um, 24 hours after Mike Babcock, less than 24 hours, uh, tendered his resignation. I'm going to sneeze, so just a second. Tendered his resignation because, uh, you know, there's been some reporting, but clearly Mike Babcock did something that was a little bit beyond the pale. Apparently had outside of a facility a player's phone for several minutes is is, is the reporting right now. So I guess that's kind of the smoking gun. But either way, he does something that may not be like the most fireable offense in the Mm -hmm. world. But when you're Babcock with the history and the reporting and the story and everything that went on with it, he... It came into an agreement with the Columbus Blue Jackets to move on and not be the coach. So yesterday, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets held a bit of a press conference. Um, and John Davidson, who is the president of hockey operations, said the following. We went through a process earlier this summer prior to hiring Mike Babcock as our head coach, but we got it wrong and that's on us. That's a pretty fair statement. Um, I can promise you we will learn from this moving forward. I also understand the criticism that we are getting. It is deserved, but all we can do is learn from it and do everything we can to help our coaches and players get ready for this season. And um, Jarmo Kekalainen as well spoke and said the same kind of thing. Like, you know, it's obviously fair to question our due diligence, but I can assure you we did it thoroughly. Um, At the end of the day, I believe that Mike Babcock deserved another opportunity to coach. Obviously, that was a mistake and that responsibility is mine. Well, I do think they get a little bit of credit for owning it, but, I mean, it really should fall fully and squarely on them, and I wonder why they are still going to move forward with this. They said they don't want to have any more distractions as the team starts training camp tomorrow. We don't want to make any more moves. Let's just move forward, but unscathed a little bit. Yeah, there's a reason people are reluctant to give second chances because sometimes someone says they change, that there's been some reform, that they're a different person. They're really not. Mm. Uh, and maybe they did their due diligence. Maybe they talked to loads of people. Maybe all those people had positive experiences, though, with Mike Babcock. We know the people that have negative experiences with Mike Babcock tend to fall into two patterns. They're like Jason Spezza's, where it's like, hey, can I take advantage of this veteran? Because I don't really like him and I don't want him to play for us. Mm. Or do I try to earn some power over a young player like Mitch Marner uh, if we're just doing the Leaf thing. So it's young and old, it seems. It's not, you know, fellow coaches who seem to have great things to say or elite-level players who would be treated well by Mike Babcock, right? So it's depending on who you ask. And I guess if there's a failure on the Blue Jackets from the due diligence standpoint is maybe they only ask people that had no reason Mm. to think Mike Babcock was going to do anything but coach a hockey team effectively. Uh, I guess it's a learning point for everyone and I'm a second chance guy. I want people to have second chances, but this is another reason why we're going to probably see fewer. Like, hockey, hockey is a second chance, so maybe there, there needs to be fewer second chances in hockey. But at least in terms of this story, uh, it's a reminder that due diligence is like actually due diligence, like doing due diligence on due diligence is probably an important thing because not everyone has the same experience with everyone uh, uh, with the same person, and that's clear with Mike Babcock. I'll say credit. I don't know if you already discussed this yesterday, but for Marty Walsh, new mm-hmm. regime comes in as the NHLPA executive director this summer. Uh, a little bit of a different background. He was like mayor of Boston. He's got a political background. Uh, but to really dive into something that I guess some people also just, hey, it's just a, it's a podcast. It's spit and chicklets, whatever. To really dig into something and to find obviously enough substantial evidence that this guy 
had crossed the line um, in one of your, I guess, your first things that you do in this role. I think the players probably respect him a lot more and they probably feel like they're on the right foot moving forward with him as their representative uh, because it could have been easy to brush this one under the rug and say, well, you know, like whatever. It's just a, it's we talked to two people. Yeah, I, cl- was fine. I, I clearly don't know this is fact, but I would surmise that this does not happen in a Donald Fear led organization. That's fair to say. It just feels like Donald Fear was surface level. He was due diligence on the part of Mike Babcock where it's just like, oh, we asked a couple people and Boone Jenner said it was OK. So it's OK. But Marty Walsh went the extra mile mm-hmm. and. Maybe, maybe it was punishment doesn't fit the crime. But when you're Babcock, you had to be perfect, as our Elliot Friedman wrote last week. And he wasn't perfect. If you had someone's cell phone away from them scrolling through it, that's a clear violation of privacy. And when Babcock got to the point where he had so many indiscretions already, it's it's slam dunk. He can't coach in this league anymore. Yeah, it's pretty brutal uh, if that's even just like one incident that happened with someone and that's what we're hearing and there might be more and we never might know about it, whatever. Uh, but it's tough because he's a guy with a, a pretty prestigious background and I wonder how that follows him around. Like when there's reunions of Stanley Cup champs, when there's reunions of uh, Olympics and there's times where he'll be honored. Like I wonder how this moves forward for Mike Babcock. Here's something to chew on. He'll mm-hmm. move forward with money because there was no termination with cause. Yeah, so did you? Do we know about the financial we situation? We don't know with him? for sure, but I think I, I, I think would, it's because he resigned. It. I would it's guess than termination. Yeah, I would guess he's going to make the money to go away quietly oh because Babcock would be kicking and stre- screaming otherwise, right? So he earned three and a half seasons of standard level, like highest paid coach type stuff. With the Maple Leafs, yeah, right? History three and a, three and a half years of that. So we're talking about bagging another what or in the area of twenty twenty five million dollars. He's gonna add enough. <laughs> he's gonna go five and a half years. He may never coach again, but five and a half years of not coaching, but getting paid like a high level coach and earning what upwards of thirty five million dollars to do that to just not coach oh to God. just not just hang out the cabin with his family. It's it's and that's why it's not that bad for him because he made a ridiculous amount of money on the back of so much success before, but this it's it's unbelievable that he's going to continue to make loads of cash despite the reputation and all that everyone said about him over the last couple of years. And you know, a bunch of coaches when they transition out of hockey, like they get analyst jobs, they get panel jobs. That ain't happening. Like he's gonna he's done. He's done, but he's but he's gonna be rich. Okay. So yeah. I think. I'll think he's going to be fine. Maybe he'll coach University of Saskatchewan again. That was so weird. I think he's got to stay Did we hear anything about, like, that time? He might have to stay away from kids who don't don't have the ability to say no if he asks for his cell phone. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's the end of that story. I feel bad for the Blue Jackets that are entering training camp with all of this, but they kind of shut it up now. I'm sure the kids will get asked about it. They move forward, and uh, they don't have the biggest exciting season ahead other than Fantilli, right? Like, you got some young talent. It'll be exciting to follow them, but this is a bit of a black eye to start your season. So we'll mm-hmm. see uh, We'll see how it goes with Columbus. Um, okay, let's take a break. Andy Petrillo, host of CBC Sports and One Soccer, who helped host Monday's broadcast of the inaugural PWHL draft yesterday, uh, will join us after the break to go through what it was like being a part of history, uh, the buzz, Billie Jean King, some of the surprises in the draft, and overall, this monumental day in women's hockey history. Then we'll be joined by David Alter at 8 o'clock and Donovan Bennett at 8.30. All of that to come on the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Ailish. 
fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 15 rounds of a inaugural PWHL draft yesterday, and I did not hear my name called. Strange. I thought uh, Gary D, Jerry D got up on stage, you know, famous comedian. I thought, here's his joke. <laughs> you were waiting on that. Send from nowhere. Are you and Jerry tight like that? Where you might no, make that, that joke? That would have been good though. There was a lot of jokes up on stage. It was a really great day. It was a lot of a lot of fun people print, um, announcing picks, and it was, it was just way, overall great. Because I know you're joking about yourself, but mm-hmm. that unknown athlete. Mm-hmm. No, never heard. Didn't get an update from her. Nothing happened yeah. there. Just not drafted. Quietly, just, no, definitely not drafted. Wow. Quietly into the abyss. Uh, someone that we saw and thought did an incredible job yesterday was Andy Petrillo, host of CBC Sports and won soccer and was the host of Monday's inaugural PWHL draft. Andy, you were a part of history yesterday. How was the vibe, the energy, and the opportunity to be, you know, uh, alongside some of the greatest hockey players of all time? Well, as you're probably going to hear in my voice, I'm still sitting in bed because oh. I was I was buzzing mm-hmm. all day that it was actually really difficult to fall asleep. Um, it was an incredible day. It was you know a ton of energy, and as you probably saw as well, a little bit we just showed it off the top. The players when they entered the broadcast center, it was the periwinkle carpet, so there were a ton of fans just on either side, a lot of young hockey players who were so excited when the players walked in and their names were announced, they were just freaking out and screaming. So, I mean, it was, it was just great energy. It really felt like a proper uh, event, like what you would see at an NHL when players walk down that red carpet, when players have sponsors, they're taking photos, when fans are there asking for photos and autographs. That is exactly what was happening yesterday. So right from start to finish, it was a great energy. Well, we appreciate you getting up and grinding with us uh, after <laughs> after a long day um, and an awesome day. So I think, I mean, for me as a player, I knew what yesterday was going to mean for the league. I knew what the players had put in behind the scenes. I know you've covered sports for a very long time, but did you, when you got there yesterday, did you realize kind of the magnitude of what was about to happen, the inaugural PWHL draft, something that people have been fighting for forever to be happening and to be living it live and then kind of like that reset at the end, like that just happened that this is something that we'll look back on for hopefully decades to come as the start of something special it hit me when i started to do the interviews um i I always go into just autopilot when i'm getting ready to do a show i knew it was special but you have to prepare and you know you want to give everyone their due and, and do it justice and then you know i sat and spoke to cheryl pounder before she went on air she was getting teary eyed then billie jean king joined me and i could tell she was just speechless, looking around saying, I I can't believe what we've been visualizing for five years has come to fruition. And then we saw Kendall Coyne Schofield, who got choked up. Um, She was, you know, as you heard from probably Billie Jean in that interview, she was the one who made the original phone call to Billie Jean to get her involved Mm -hmm. and to help make this happen and ask for her advice on what they needed to do. So she was a huge part. And then, you know, she had a baby this past summer and then legitimately thought, she wasn't going to be signed or wasn't going to be drafted because maybe people wouldn't think she'd be uh, in shape in time and, you know, everything she worked hard for, maybe it wouldn't happen. We all know she got signed and that wasn't going to be the case, but you just saw how you know much it meant to her. Then Alina Mueller gets drafted and starts crying during her interview. And that's when it really just like everything was kind of happening. I was like, whoa, okay. Like this is, 
this is very emotional. Um, and, and I can't even begin to imagine all the hard work behind the scenes and what that meant for it to come together. Because if there's one thing Billie Jean King pointed out, and, and we would know this as well just by covering any kind of um, you know, labor dispute or contract dispute or anything that has to do with people sticking together and fighting for what they believe in. It's not hard because, or, or sorry, it's not easy. It's hard because people will break from rank. People get scared. People get nervous. And what Billie Jean said is why this worked was because the best hockey players in the world stuck together for five years. That is not easy. She's like, nobody broke rank. And when you can stick together, then you give those investors that belief that you're serious as well and that you're actually committed and ready to do this. So, you know, that, that, that's what I mean as well about the, um, you know, the, the emotions behind it and also the camaraderie. Like these, these women, they did what it took to make that day happen. So, yeah, after interviewing them and looking in their eyes and seeing it, like it was, it was really special. It hit me at some point. But, you know, you got you to gotta stay in autopilot, right, so, so you can still do the show. Uh, the Billie Jean King factor, Andy, like why, why is that such a powerful force for this league, having her involved and having her being so enthusiastic with her involvement? Well, when you think of Billie Jean King, what do you think of? Like you think of an advocate. You think of a fighter. You think of someone who doesn't back down. So that alone is what you want representing your league. Um, you know, yes, she's an investor, and she said it too. I mean, she's also just, you know, she cuts through all the crap. I got to be honest with you guys. Like even before going to air, I had a chance to, you know, just talk with her a little bit. And she's like, listen, in order for anything to work, you need money, money. Stop with all this. You just need money. <laughs> and she's like, you know, so for the Mark Walter group to get involved and Mark and his wife, Kimbra, you know, I mean, these are people who are worth billions of dollars. So for them to get involved and then Billie Jean King knowing that, I mean, anyone, any league, this is not just a women's league, this is a men's league, because I'm also covering the Canadian Premier League, mm-hmm. the only men's domestic, you know, soccer league in this country right now. And I can tell you, when you start a sports league, you lose money. That is just what happens in any sports league. In fact, there are probably business entrepreneurs listening right now saying, honey, it's not just in sports. Like, when you first get going, you always lose money. So you need people who are willing to invest that, knowing that they're not going to see it again for another, you know, five to 10 years later. Um, so, you know, it, it's huge from a financial point of view, but also just what she represents, what she means. That's definitely a, a reputation you want attached to your league. Yeah, led by Billie Jean King uh, feels like the biggest storyline into like who's behind the scenes. But Stan, Ka- Stan Kasten and, and Mark Walter, as you mentioned, that ownership group who have a lot of history of making good things happen from building leagues to owning teams to being CEOs of franchises, having that legitimacy and like the business background. I know it was very instrumental with the CBA that the players worked hand in hand with, but just having like that level of expertise um, in your corner. I know you got a chance to chat with that some of them as well what does that bring to the way that the league is formed and also the idea that this is a buy-in for many many years they're not just taking a swing and saying we'll give you a year or two and see how it goes they want to see this thing come to uh the highest level that it should it's invaluable because you mentioned it between all three of them they have their fingers in mlb nba wnba the you know nwsl Mm -hmm. And now here they are uh, in hockey. So they know what it takes to just run sports. They know the sports world. And it's not just about putting a a team on the field, on the court, on the pitch. It's also about the stuff that goes on 
everywhere else, the marketing of it, um, the television or broadcast and radio and, you know, these days streaming, all those types of deals. They know everything that goes into it as well. They understand the relationships with sponsors. And they also just, to your point, like they know the dollars and cents so they can look at a year. And these are things that, you know, I'm even becoming privy to as well as I, as I cover the startup league, but as I continue to have conversations with Diana Matheson, who uh, is, is heads up project eight, as we know, trying to bring a women's domestic soccer league to Canada. It's like all of a sudden you go, okay, what does it cost to fly a team? What does it cost to feed a team? Oh, then there's per diem. Okay. Now there's hotels. Oh, there's equipment. Okay. Who's paying for that water bottle? Like it's all this kind of stuff that you don't even realize, like right down to, if you're going to wipe your face with a towel, that's probably a sponsored towel. And now even as a viewer, when, when you're, you know, when you realize all the things that go into sports and all the different avenues as well to make what Billy Jean King said is important money, watch sports now. Everything is sponsored. Um, like I remember hearing a story one time about uh, a sponsor had switched over in Major League Soccer and the towels were now different. And then, uh, you know, a goalie went to his net, went to go wipe his face before getting ready for the second half to begin. And like the trainer had to sprint across <laughs> the field. Because the goalkeeper still had the wrong, like he had the old towel, and you can get fined by the league. And so there's all things like this about respecting the sponsors and making sure all that kind of stuff can happen. So, you know, when you have these types of people who have been doing this for years, there is definitely a sense of security. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a sense of confidence. But at the same time, you know, I mean, I loved what Stan Kasten said because they also know it, right? Like he was asked this one question about, all right, you guys have built it. Now is it up, for the, up to the fans? to show up and support. And he went, no, <laughs> he's like, it, he goes, you never put that burden on the fans. He goes, it's always on us mm-hmm. to give them an entertaining product, make the fans want to show up. He goes, don't point fingers and tell them they have to, he goes, it's still on us to create an entertaining product. So they know this, they know that this is, you know, not even just the first step. It's the first half step. The draft is just the first half step. There's still so much work to be done and they know it. And I think that uh, that should give the fans, that should give, you know, the the players a ton of confidence. Yeah, I remember Billie Jean King in her uh, inaugural pick, she spoke for a little bit and she said, like, we want to earn your support. We want to earn your fan base. And I think that's a really uh, apt way to put it is that it's not just now, it's here, come watch it. It's like, we want to show you that this league is for real. Um, I think sponsorship is is so important. I mean, Canadian Tire yesterday being the presenting sponsor, obviously they have bought in and that you saw a lot of other ones. And I think just more to come when you look at the way that yesterday was. So in terms of the actual draft, uh, 15 rounds in the snake format, it was awesome to watch because the GM tables were buzzing. They had their earpieces in. It, it was so legit. And not that I didn't think it was going to be, but I thought maybe they just had their list of picks and they wanted it, but it seemed like real negotiation. There were stats people. There's people like that had done so many, so many types of video coordinating and video research on these players. It was so legitimate. I, I wonder for you covering it and having the picks come in and responding on the spot and, you know, some people falling, some people rising, like how exciting mm-hmm. the actual draft was itself seeing the people get up on stage, get a photo, see their families, their teammates, their agents, just the entire energy of, of what we got to witness yesterday. Oh, well, first of all, I can tell you drafts are hard as a broadcaster. <laughs> I mean, oh, my goodness. I don't know if you saw my notes by the end. Yeah, all nice over the pile. place. <laughs> it, it was a disaster. It was like a bomb went off at my side of the desk. Everyone else was all neat. I'm like, oh, Lord. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. But I have to, I have to give a shout-out 
to everyone who worked behind the scenes. If you just allow me a moment to say, like, mm-hmm. you know, CBC Sports, they work so closely with the league. And you're right. Like, let, let's just be honest. We didn't know what we were going to expect. Was this going to somewhat look like the drafts of other leagues that we've seen? Was it going to look like an NHL draft? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't know. Uh, was it just going to be really kind of awkward of someone getting up there and saying, like, we just didn't know what to expect, plain and simple. And in fact, a lot of people from the league went, we didn't know what to expect. But also working with the people behind the scenes, you know, the space that we had at the Barbara from Atrium, like CBC did it right. And I have to say there were some league officials who walked in, like even Stan Kasten at one point walked in and went, whoa, (laughs) I I didn't expect this kind of setup. And he was, you know, so appreciative. And I mean, we worked hard. We had a rehearsal the day before because, again, we wanted to do it justice. And it's all about that timing. And all about knowing when the pick's going to come in and how you're going to get the information on that player and when you're going to start talking and when you're going to throw back. And, um, you know, I, I, I commend also the league for just trusting us. Like we said, we're going to cue you. We're going to tell you when to get up. We're going to tell you when to talk. Like we just we need to make this work. And they were so wonderful. It was just, you know, choreographed and coordinated so well because that's what we wanted to do was give it that professional feel, give it what it deserves. Um, because if there's something, you know, Haley Salvian said it off the top of the show, where she flat out said, I just want to talk hockey when it comes to the women's game. She's like, I understand all the grief that's been happening in the last few years and we've been covering it. She goes, but let's talk about who's better on the power play. Let's talk about who's the number one goalie. So we wanted to really truly give it that professional flair. Uh, and, I, and I feel we did. And you know what? These are incredible, uh, you know, the GMs themselves, the coaches. You know, these are, these are people who are exceptional players in their day are also just exceptional coaching and, and managing and Corey Chevry, as we know, becoming the first woman as well to be part of, you know, the Canadian men's under 18. So for the first time ever, you know, Hockey Canada having a woman part of the men's coaching stuff. Like these are people who are just trailblazers in their own way. Um, and we wanted to give them that respect. And I'm really happy like for you to say that. Like, I'm great. I'm grateful that it came across that way too. So what was the story of the draft for you, Andy, when looking at the teams, looking how how everything went down? I mean, there was a run on uh, the defense position for sure. Mm. Jocelyn LaRock going second was a little bit surprising. Uh, Taylor Heisey, we knew, was going number one, but, uh, you know, that might be considered the best pick of the draft given that it was the top pick of the draft and, and a slam dunk pick at that. Did anything sort of stick out as, you know, a, a, an important theme when looking at how this all went down for the first time ever? You know, there's so many, so many things, as, as, as you mentioned, and I can you know, probably take up another hour of your time. But if there's one thing I want to highlight, so as much as the majority of the players drafted were Canadian and American, like at least in those first four rounds you know, that we covered, the European players um, that were drafted, so Alina Mueller going third overall from Switzerland, Olympic you know, bronze medalist, uh, Dominika Laskova going from the Czech Republic, and Chloe Aurora going from France. Like, I think it's worth noting that, you know, there are, there are some European players as well who were kind of hesitant. Like, they, they still don't know, you know, what this is going to be. There's still maybe um, a lack of an, of an understanding as well of what is this going to be. Um, a lot of them, you know, did sign in the PHF and maybe still kind of feel like, you know, is this real or what just happened or feel a little slighted. You know, we know that there is a league in, in Sweden but obviously the PWHL wants to be the NHL um, of, of, the, uh, of the world and get the best players there. But I think it's worth noting the European players who went, because I think it opens the door. I think it sends a message 
And, you know, I wonder if that'll just, you know, we'll see more of an influx of European players. Those who didn't get drafted yesterday, by the way, immediately become free agents. So will we see more European players at training camp, which begins in November? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that to me is when you start to truly become the global league you want to become. Yes, we know a lot of fantastic players come out of Canada and the United States, um, you know, but, you know, what, what also makes a league you know, global. Well, it's global athletes. So when, when I saw the European players go, I went, okay, you know, is Laskova going to be that beacon now for other Czech Republic players? You know, when Mueller goes third overall, she's going to have some bragging rights too because her brother Mirko went in the first draft mm-hmm. or the first round, I should say, the NHL draft. It's like, that's a lot of talent in that family. Mm-hmm. It's like, is she going to send a message to players in Switzerland? You know, and then the same thing with um, Aurora, who, you know, played for the French national team at just the age of 14. Now she's 24. So she's been a massive representative of, of that national team. She's helped it grow. So you know that they're going to be looking at her going, oh, okay, she's in, uh, she's in North America now? Oh, okay. So that, to me, I think is what, is what stands out a little bit, is just will we see that influx of European players and those three in particular kind of being that, that beacon of light? for uh, for players in their countries. Yeah, I got the stats up here. Of course, North America leading the way, 85% uh, of the selections, but Europe with 14%, uh, 14.5% is, is pretty outstanding. Czechia with yeah. 5 Finland 2 Sweden 2 and then as you mentioned, Switzerland, France, Austria, and Germany. I think if you're a hockey fan, sometimes we do get maybe complacent that it's Canada, U.S., Canada, U.S., Canada, U.S., but it shows like the global game is probably in a, in a really good state and only getting better. Um, okay, Andy, I got to ask you before we let you go, are you a Team Toronto fan now are you gonna let are you gonna let this play out i mean you know you're here in the city and toronto look pretty good some big names but are you you know you leaning one way is there a jersey you're gonna end up getting all six? Oh, geez you know uh i mean i'm i'm a i'm a i'm patriotic to my city mm-hmm. so i will i mean i flat out admit that whatever team is in the city is the team i cheer for i just i have uh you know a commitment to that team and i've never been shy to say it but I'm also somebody who latches on to a player and then I'll cheer that player on. So I can't wait till they start because which player am I suddenly going to fall in love with? And I'm going to want to buy their Jersey. Like who's going to be exceptional. Who's going to catch my eye. And it's not necessarily a goal scorer. I typically like the gritty ones. So is it somebody who just like ends up blocking a lot of shots or, you know, some big hits or whatever. So we'll see, or we all know, I mean, again, self-proclaimed goalie hugger, Mm. somebody goes and makes some incredible saves. Maybe it's a goalie I latch on to. So I I will always support my team, my local team, my city team. But then I usually find a player who I'm a big fan of. And maybe it'll be on Toronto as well. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll let it play out and then we'll see. Well, we'll have to see in January when the puck drops which uh, jersey you're wearing on your Instagram or your Twitter because it, I mean I'm still I'm still yeah. shopping around too. I got friends on all the teams. Hey, I'm still the shopping. Montreal fan. Okay, well I'm working on it. Yeah, I don't know. You're dancing around it, but uh, you just don't. Oh, you can't over. say we that. We can be rivals, Andy. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, just that's, spreading that's the love. Dangerous waters in the world is. of hockey. You want to be in Toronto? I'm going full heel. Montreal fan. I'm going full yeah, heel. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Well, we really appreciate you jumping on this morning after a long day. Congrats again on being a part of something so special and we look forward to to following it along throughout uh, the inaugural season great thanks for having me thanks andy that's andy petrillo host of cbc sports and one soccer and of course was on the inaugural broadcast of the pwhl draft yesterday now we don't have names we don't have arenas Mm. we don't have logos but some sleuthing yesterday was that every time there was a draft graphic posted so 
Team Toronto selects whomever. It was color-coded specifically for each team. So if you do the, you know, FBI analysis that I've been doing, it looks like the following. Minnesota's draft graphics had a dark blue and a slate blue, like a little bit of a gray blue and a dark blue. Those are the two colors they used, okay? Okay. Toronto, blue, like real Leafs. blue. Toronto Furies, the old CWHL team, they were using that color. Okay. Boston, Important color in this Yeah, city. and I think it makes sense. Boston was using green. That doesn't make any sense, does it? What are they, Celtics over there? But maybe they just want to uh, yeah, steer yeah, yeah. clear. I forgot about the Celtics, and but it just doesn't feel like a hockey team in Boston should be green. Green. New York had more of a teal, like a uh, two shades of teal. Okay. I like that color. It looked good. And that's a previously used color. Um, Ottawa was red. Oh, not Montreal. And Montreal was more maroon. Mm. So those were the colors. When you look at the draft graphics, this is does not this is not law law abiding. But I'm trying to do some analysis. Cause I'm eager to but get some closest, color schemes. The closest we can get some to some sort of identification mm-hmm. for these teams and where these players or who these players are going to represent. It's just very interesting. I think, and there was some purple being used and some teams, but also purple was the color of the PWHL yesterday. Like they were doing that for the purple carpet. They've used purple in their graphics. Purple's a very popular color. Maybe that's their team logo or their their league their logo. league color. Wait, did the league have a logo? Uh, well, not finalized. No, it's just kind of like the letters PWHL. Okay. But they've been using purples and blues. And they could have had that post. done. Yeah, if that, we're quibbling. I think and we're quibbling today. Oh, I think about a league. I logo. think it's probably fair to have a league logo, but green for Boston. Very interesting. Why does that stand out to you? I don't know because I just don't picture Boston being green. Okay. Anyway, but uh, I'm liking the color options. I'm liking the blue in the, in Toronto, which makes sense. We do wonder if they'll keep any of the names or like a testament to former names in different leagues. Would you? Uh, uh, just I kind of like, want to start fresh. I, I think a fresh. Start I think would a fresh nice. start is is the appropriate way to do it. But we'll see. We'll see. Lots it's to tough come. to come up with new names. Yeah, especially with all the eyes. Like if you don't, if they don't like it, it's like they've ruined my team already. Yeah, and no, get there. we don't okay. need any lady rangers or lady. Not a fan Leafs. of the buttes. No, none of that. Uh, okay, let's take a break. David Alter after the break. Maple Leafs report at Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News tomorrow kicks off festivities media day for the maple leafs and then official training camp practice scheduled for thursday morning the leafs had a charity golf tournament yesterday some good social media clips from the guys they're tiktok stars all of a sudden maybe loosen up the uh the reins of no social media fun it looked like maybe a different leafs team out there on the links let's talk to david alter after the break on the fan morning show with justin and alish